Welcome to Hacking the Self. I'm Adrian Baker. Thank you for listening and welcome to those of you who are new. I left a message for supporters of the show on Patreon and on social media explaining why the show had been inactive for a little bit, a couple of months, but that I am now back and that is the case and have a series of great guests lined up and I'm going to tinker with a new format here. So I'm going to try it out for at least the next few guests and see how that goes. So instead of having an hour and a half conversation with one guest, what I'm going to do is experiment with a 30-minute format and ideally see if I can have multiple conversations with the same guests on a few different topics within their expertise or perhaps even just within the same theme and just breaking it down. And that's something at least the next three or four guests have agreed to. So I'm going to uh, prototype this and see how it goes. And I would love to hear back from people in terms of what you think about not only the episodes themselves, but also the format. And you can share that feedback with me at hackingtheself at gmail.com or the Hacking the Self Facebook page or on Twitter, which would be at Hacking the Self on Twitter. So any of those are great forums and would love to hear from people. The, the series that we have coming up next, which starts today, is on Chinese medicine. And we're going to dive deeper into this topic, but on the very first episode, I don't want to make any assumptions about what people know or don't know. So it's going to be an introductory episode on what is Chinese medicine. And so for those of you who don't have any idea, this is a great opportunity for you to learn with someone who's very knowledgeable. And For those of you who already know something, it might offer you a different perspective or it will undoubtedly deepen your knowledge because today's guest is, as I said, a very knowledgeable person about the topic. So let me introduce him briefly. Ben Elon has been studying and practicing Chinese medicine for 13 years. He's trained in the stems and branches acupuncture tradition, is a certified acupuncturist, herbalist, and medical Qigong instructor. He holds a master's degree in narrative therapy from Melbourne University. Benjamin began doing community work and health work with indigenous tribes in southern Israel. Today, the scope of his practice incorporates elements of humanistic psychology, ethnography, shamanism, and community work. He is currently practicing and teaching Chinese medicine at Dao Garden Retreat Center in northern Thailand. And he's also someone I've come to know through Qigong and someone who's a great guy as well. So, I look forward to bringing you the first of several conversations with Ben. And so, now I give you my conversation with Ben Elon on what is Chinese medicine. Your continued support makes future episodes possible. You can help by heading over to patreon.com slash hacking the self. Ben, welcome to Hacking the Self. I want to thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. It's always fun having someone who's a friend on as well. So welcome and thank you. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you, my friend. So this is just so the listeners understand, and I've said this in the intro, this is the first of several episodes that we're going to do. We've got three planned and we're sort of doing them in a shorter digestible format to try a new format out for people, which I think is a great idea, especially for a topic that's so big like Chinese medicine. And today we're really giving people a crash course 
in Chinese medicine, um, which also includes how you became interested in it. And I read your bio for folks just in the intro, so they know a little bit about you. But I definitely want to get into your personal story. But I think in order to do that, let's not make any assumptions about what people know or, or don't know. So perhaps we can just start, Ben, with you explaining for people who might not know anything, what is Chinese medicine? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So maybe the first thing that's important to know about Chinese medicine is that it's it's very old. It's thousands upon thousands of years old. And its roots actually go way back even before uh, the beginning of classical Chinese culture. So some of the earliest recordings and instruments for Chinese medicine have been found in excavation sites dating back to as far back as uh, 4,000 years ago. So we don't actually know exactly how old it is. The different, the original versions of Chinese medicine just really predate recorded history in that sense. So even though it's changed over the centuries and over the thousands of years that it's been practiced, it is essentially the longest, more or less uninterrupted traditional art that the world still has being practiced at this moment in modern times. Chinese medicine is uh, natural medicine. It's based on the idea that human beings are part of nature and that health comes from being in tuned and being in balance with both the nature around us and the nature and the natural processes inside of us. So ultimately, the goal of a Chinese medicine treatment is to help one become balanced with both the outside and the inside. It's a holistic practice. And that means it's a medicine which takes into account the whole person as opposed to just focusing on one part of them. So as a Chinese doctor, I would focus on um, if I was treating someone who was having a problem with their arm, I would be interested also in how their legs and all their internal organs and their head and everything else was functioning. And not only that, I'd be interested in not just their physical aspects, but also what's going on in their emotional world and maybe also in their social life and their family and things like that. So it really draws a connection between all the different aspects of a person's life. This is what we mean when we say the holistic approach. We're looking at the whole person, inside and out. So perhaps as a way of, of helping us to understand that, we can compare and contrast that to the system that most of us are used to in the West. You know, how is this different from the approach in, in Western medicine? Right. So modern Western medicine is what we'd call, they take what's called the reductionist approach, which is the opposite of the holistic approach. And Western medicine is interested in taking a subject, like taking a person, and breaking them down into the smallest observable components, and then looking for what would be the root cause, and then addressing that small, small piece with the idea that that would help the whole. So this comes with the idea that in Western, Western medicine likes looking for microbes and um, microbiology and looking for really the small bits and pieces of our bodies and the way they function. And if someone is sick, they're looking for the root cause in looking for like a virus or a bacteria or a parasite or some very small microbial cause for, for whatever the illness is. And with the idea that once that's taken care of, then the rest of the person will be, will be fine. With Chinese medicine, we're also interested in looking for particular causes, of course. But another question we'd ask ourselves is, what's unbalanced with this person's ability to protect themselves, their immune system, with their just natural health uh, capacities of, for self-healing that has allowed this to happen? Whereas it comes with the idea that we're just naturally in contact with so many different external factors that could cause us illness. You know, we every day we're in, in touch with countless viruses and microbes and whatnot, but we don't get sick from them because our our body is in is in uh, functional capacity. Our immune system is strong and it prevents them from getting a foothold in our system. So as long as the body is strong, as long as the person is strong, as long as what we call the chi of the person is strong, it's the Chinese word for your overall energy. 
then there's just no space for a microbe to, to invade. So our focus is on one hand to take care of the problem, but also to give a lot of focus on making sure the person is strong enough to protect themselves. That's helpful. Thank you. And I know obviously that is going to raise questions about what are the advantages and, and disadvantages of each. And we're going to resist the temptation to dive too deeply into that because that's going to be precisely the topic for our, our second episode. But right. now that you've laid some context for folks, just sort of sketching out, you know, basic differences between Chinese and Western approach without sort of commenting too much on your thoughts on why one might be better than the other in certain contexts. How did you, as someone who grew up in, and correct me if I'm wrong here, spending part of the time growing up in the US and Israel, how did you become interested in Chinese medicine? Right. Thank you for asking that. I was one of these kids who was sick all the time. As a child growing up, I was constantly getting colds or getting sore throats. And I'd suffered from allergies. So I'd always have a stuffy nose, you know, running around in the playground and things like that. So, so constant on the constitutional level, for the first decade and a half of my life, I was really my immune, you could say my immune system was not doing the best it could. And as a result, I had been I'd seen plenty of doctors, Western doctors, and everyone seemed to have a different idea of what should be done and some different medication. And every so often a new drug would come out in the market for allergies and we'd try that out and nothing ever seemed to work. In fact, eventually it was also getting like gradually worse over the years. I also suffered from asthma. So I really had a lot of issues that I was dealing with. So one, one of the things I'd tried over the years, first when I was 12, my mother had taken me to an Ayurvedic doctor, which had had, this was my first encounter with alternative medicine. And that was, I remember, interesting, but a lot of the suggestions that they made, and I don't know if your, your listeners are, are familiar with Ayurvedic medicine, a lot of it's about uh, changing diet and practicing yoga and, and making lifestyle changes to improve your, your overall health. So um, I remember that making some of these changes was helpful to a certain degree, but it wasn't I wouldn't say that it would it had solved the problem in a significant way or made any significant progress. So I'd been familiar with an alternative approach, with alternative approach um, approaches, alternative approaches. But only it wasn't until my late teens that a fr I had a friend who had been st who started studying Chinese medicine, and this is my first introduction to like the wider world of Chinese medicine. And when I told her about my problems and the issues I was going through, I was going through a particular uh, serious bout around the time I was eighteen, feeling particularly asthmatic. And she suggested that I go see the practitioner that she was being treated by. And this particular uh, practitioner, she was someone who was also, not only she was, she was practicing Chinese medicine, she was actually also practicing uh, Kabbalistic Jewish medicine, which was intertwined. So she, would, she was from a particular discipline in Chinese medicine that was connecting between the two. So I went to see her. And this was the session itself. The first session itself took about four hours. And in the, the, first, the first session, we sat and she spent about two hours just asking me questions about my preferences of things like if I preferred hot or cold or what kind of foods I liked and what kind of foods I didn't like and if dealing with my sleep patterns and just getting a very, very coherent picture of everything going on in my life from, you know, how I ate to how I felt to my friends, to my family, to all my physiological functions. And about two hours into that, we finally transitioned into doing some acupuncture. And I just remember that first treatment from the moment she put the needles in, my whole body just lit up, like just the sensation immediately from feeling my body activated by these acupuncture needles was just overwhelming in, in a, the best of ways. I just felt something open up completely in my stomach and my chest. And it was just a moment of this really blissful, blissful, blissful calming sensation. And that lasted for a good couple of minutes. Wow. 
And it's not a surprising, I don't think that'll be surprising. Well, it'll be surprising, I'm sure, to many people. I think for people who've had acupuncture, it won't seem very out there. (laughs) I can certainly understand where you're coming from. But if I'd had that happen to me when I was a teenager growing up where I grew up and having not experienced certain things before, I think it would have been that much more of an out of ordinary experience for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel quite fortunate that I got to encounter this at a relatively young age. And just to feel the power of, you know, what acupuncture can be. And that's not to say that every acupuncture treatment has felt that that powerful on me or is for anyone. But this particular practitioner, I felt she she didn't she knew what she was doing and she had made a good diagnosis with um, with her questioning before and it had led to a very, very effective treatment. So that was just immediate. And what's to add to this? So beyond just having a blissful sensation, after working with her for a couple months, my symptoms had gone down by about 50%, which was enormous. This is so much more, it was so much more different than um, I'd ever experienced before and even thought it was different. It's important to point out that you know, when coming with a chronic illness like asthma or allergies, Western medicine doesn't tend to say that you can ever really get better from it. The Western approach is just to manage the symptoms. Whereas from a Chinese perspective, while we're working on the, with the holistic approach, in building up the person and building up their energy and their immune system, it is very possible to also help come out of illnesses which Western medicine would consider lifetime issues only to be managed. Yeah. And the other thing about the Western approach, and this is part of the strength of it, but this is the reductionism. Definitely someone from that background would make would ask the question to the statement you just made. Well, Ben, were there any other changes you were doing at that time? Because there's the, you know, the obsession on controlling variables with things like, you know, a randomized control trial. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of power in that method and approach. But I mean, I guess that's, that's one question I would ask, were there any other big changes you made at that time? Or was it really just the acupuncture and Chinese medicine that you were doing differently? Right. So acupuncture also like on the, on the wider sense, the more philosophical sense, it's holistic in the sense that it's never just the acupuncture. And that um, good Chinese medicine will also encourage you to, to make changes in your lifestyle the same way that Ayurvedic will. So at that time, I did make some changes in my diet. I did make some changes in uh, other realms of my life, like you know sleeping patterns and some things in different relationships I had with people around me. And uh, I wouldn't separate the two. There's something about also receiving acupuncture, but also making changes in my life that were relevant to this to the diagnosis that I had at the time, into things that would be better for uh, conducing my energy that I, I really attributed it to the whole picture and could have one worked better without the other. I think back to the, the changes that I made when I was younger after I went to the Ayurvedic doctor that were not nearly as effective. So that's actually a good question. Like, does the, can the acupuncture be separated from, from the bigger picture? From my experiences, having been a practitioner myself now for almost a decade, I would say the acupuncture in itself carries a lot of ability to change in and of itself, really. It's an, it's an effective, it's a very, very effective tool. Whereas though, to get the full effect of Chinese medicine, you want to take a multiple pronged approach. So it's also, it'll be a tool like acupuncture or herbs for that matter, but taking some particular steps, ideally you get as as much as possible, you get a whole holistic, you know, basket of whatever, whatever you can to change. Yeah. And can you sort of sketch out, because we've been talking about acupuncture, because that's what your big first experience was. What are those other big prongs for the approach? So acupuncture, you mentioned herbs, what else is it part of the approach there? Okay. So I want to go back maybe to your first question. We really, there's a couple other pieces to that question of what is, what is Chinese medicine? So we started saying that Chinese medicine, it's a natural approach in the sense that it's trying to connect a person back to both their inner nature and also the the bigger nature of the outside, the world and such. It's a philosophical context that has a couple different tools to it. 
So we'll, um, you know, by observing the person, we can make it a, an assessment of where we feel that this person's uh, qi is out of balance. And this concept of qi is very uh, central to Chinese medicine. Qi, a bad translation of qi would be to just call it energy, but there are other ways of looking at it would be to look at your electromagnetic field of your body, just the, the whole energy sphere of your body, the way that it works on the electrical level, the magnetic level. But it's also the function of your organs in and of themselves and between each other, the way that they function with each other, that they correlate. It's also your emotional state. Sometimes people like to talk about this in the context of other practices like, you know, saying, you know, your aura your breath. In, in Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about prana, which is the interaction of the energy between your, of, your, uh, of the breath, of the interaction between the person and the world. These are all different ways of trying to explain a concept which doesn't really exist so well in, in Western science, but we can call this our bioenergy. So the concept of qi is, is very central to Chinese medicine. And we have this saying in Chinese medicine, is that we say qi is all and all is qi. And what we mean by that is qi is everything around us. Qi is not, uh, let, me, let me start that one again. So a central concept to Chinese medicine is this idea of qi. And often in the West, we translate the concept of qi badly as just calling it energy. And it's not that that's not correct, but it really encompasses a much wider scope than that. In fact, the term qi refers, can refer to, it's not in itself a substance, but rather like the quality of interaction. It's like the interaction of everything with everything in nature and within a human in, in, in particular. We have the sentence, we have this saying that says, qi is all and all is qi. So essentially, if we view the world as just energy, then everything is, is the quality of, the interac of the, everything interacting with everything else. Everything is energy and so everything is qi. And in Chinese medicine, we work with the quality of, of movement, the quality of the qi in our bodies and the quality of qi, the qi interaction between our personal qi and the external qi. Does that make sense? It does. It does to me, yeah. Okay. So another, another way of, like different ways of trying to think about qi, which is a very non-Western concept. To, so to borrow some, from some other cultures, we can think about it like prana, which is what they would, might call it in, in Ayurvedic medicine, like the breath of the world, sort of the, the movement of everything, the interactions of, you know, breathing in and breathing out is the way just uh, the vitality of life happens in this movement. Whereas if it stops or gets obstructed, that's the beginning of illness. Another maybe more modern way of thinking about this would be to think of um, think of it like bioelectricity. So essentially all the magnetic charge that your body creates through your nervous system, through your metabolism and all its different levels, all the little exchanges that happen between your cells and your nerves, this can also be considered the, the entirety of your, your qi interaction. So in Chinese medicine, we want to focus on making this most uh, your qi as effective as possible making sure that your body gets to its highest level of function on the, the deep, on both on the macro levels and also on the most micro levels that it possibly can. We would look for the qi encompasses all of your physiological functions, but also your emotional functions. So there's, in Chinese medicine, we see a correlation between your mood and your emotions and also how well your different organs are functioning. And in fact, there's a map that, you know, attributes different emotions like, let's say the anger is more associated with how your liver is doing. And your ability to deal with joy depends a lot on how your heart is doing on the physiological level and so on and so forth. So that's an important aspect. So an important thing to, to know about, about Chinese medicine, we have our like overarching theory about qi and about how man fits into nature. And then underneath this umbrella of thought, there are different, there are different tools that Chinese medicine has. And these tools are these tools for treatment. And these tools might be, there's acupuncture, which is a primary tool, which is we take the philosophy of Chinese medicine and then we use the practice of acupuncture to implement changes and help treat people and balance, them, balance their qi. 
But another tool which is equally effective is herbal medicine. And these are two different tools that might that can be used. Another tool, a very effective one, is medical qigong. So this is the practice of doing different exercises to help balance your qi out. This is uh, you might teach someone to do these these stretches and these exercises in in order to like help bring themselves into help as opposed to being an outside intervention. Other things like uh, tuina, this is Chinese medicine therapeutic massage, and then you have supportive practices like Chinese cupping, and then uh, gua sha. And really, over the thousands of years of Chinese medicine, there's been many many different practices that have been sprouted up over the periods and at different times in history. There's been Practices which have been more popular and some have fallen out of uh, practice and then come back to vogue. And is a very like rich tradition of all these all these different practices. So a question that I often get is like, okay, so you're a Chinese doctor, but are you an acupuncturist? Or do you practice, is Chinese medicine acupuncture? And I say, well, yes, acupuncture is one way of practicing Chinese medicine. But as a practitioner, I also practice herbs. I'm primarily an acupuncturist and that's what I specialize in, but I do also have a certain degree of herbal knowledge and I will prescribe herbs sometimes. Whereas a different practitioner, herbs might be their main focus, or they might be practicing and teaching medical qigong instead. It's sort of like having different specialties the way that in all of Western biomedicine, you know, we have some people who specialize in uh, radiology, or some people who specialize in nutrition, or some people who specialize only in internal medicine, or certain classes of drugs, things like that. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. And I appreciate that because I've heard before, people seem to talk about doctors as someone who's like a Chinese herbalist, you know, and I had the impression that that was like their specialty. But I, I get what you're saying. Relatively, people do focus in one area more than the other, but they do wear a few different hats. And that makes sense. They do so even more so in Chinese medicine, because it is a holistic, more of a holistic approach than Western medicine. Right. Okay. Okay. Traditionally, in China, when Chinese medicine was considered the main form of, of health treatment, uh, these differences would be more pronounced. You know, you'd have some, it would be much clearer to who was an herbalist and who was an acupuncturist and who was a Qigong master. Whereas in the context today in the West, Chinese medicine has sort of come in as, as more of an obscure package. It's something which is still relatively new. So the, the training to become a Chinese doctor in the West often encompasses elements of all these things. So the Chinese doctors that we see coming out of Western schools will have a little knowledge of everything at least, whereas one thing might be specialized in, but they'll tend to be also a jack of all trades in all these other fields. It really requires a lot of study and a lot of different knowledge, the way it's being taught nowadays. Interesting. And so uh, in those particular three, to clarify, you're more of an acupuncturist, but you also do some herbs. Yes, I'm more of an acupuncturist. And I also do a very particular type of acupuncture, which I'll talk about more in our, our third episode. Okay. Okay, great. Is there anything else you want to mention or sort of elaborate on in terms of what you do with respect to what Chinese medicine is, for example? What's your approach to diet? Because I understand that diet's an important part of Chinese medicine. So for example, what kind of work do you do when you consult with a client about their, their diet? Right. So maybe why don't I give you a quick overview of what it looks like when I when I do a session? Sure. That'd be great. What it might be what it might be for, for someone to visit a, a Chinese doctor. Now different Chinese doctors work in different ways. And like we were saying before, maybe to illustrate, to elaborate a little bit on this on this idea that in classical Chinese medicine there was a lot of diversity. Chinese medicine is a very, very wide ranging concept for many, many different schools of medicine, of you know, this medicine which are based along the same within the same the macro theoretical context. So it's like there's an overarching theory, but within these theories, there's also different schools which take different approaches or different ideas based on these concepts of things like qi and yin and yang and the five elements. 
which are, maybe it's hard to go into that right now, but what essentially this means is that there's not one Chinese medicine and there's many different ways to practice it and many different practitioners practicing in different ways. So we see a lot of variation. However, in the West nowadays, often what you see will follow a certain protocol. You'll come to a doctor, a Chinese doctor for, for a consultation where you will sit down and for a certain amount of time, you'll be either asked questions. You'll be asked to fill out like a questionnaire, like the way that I was in my story. And they'll be interested in all sort of the, the different aspects of your life. And then once you've talked for a while or filled out a questionnaire, the doctor will often ask uh, to take your pulse, which is the classical way of diagnosing how the qi feels uh, in the body and getting an idea of what your chi is like. And then often they will also ask to look at the tongue and there's a, and do a tongue reading. And using uh, looking at the way that your tongue looks as far as color and shape. And there's a bunch of different things you look at the tongue to give an idea of how, again, how the chi of the person's body looks, the chi, how the chi of the person's body is functioning. So after questions and taking a pulse and looking at a tongue, the doctor will then make a diagnosis of what they think is going on with the chi of your body where it might be balanced and where it might be imbalanced. And based on that, they will either give you an acupuncture treatment, which usually means inserting needles at different uh, points in the body, which stimulate the chi in different ways, and then leaving them there for about 20 minutes and getting an effect of the chi, or they might prescribe an herbal remedy instead, which you can either buy from them or buy from a Chinese pharmacy and then take that at home for, for a certain amount of time and then see if that changes the situation. Other options might be getting also, in addition, a Twina massage or a cupping session on top of that. In addition, you can also get things like, as you were asking, uh, dietary counseling, which a lot of practitioners do. And if I think it's relevant, I might give some dietary advice to the person I'm working with, but also within the context of just advice about changes in lifestyle that, that I think would might be helpful for them. So I might have some suggestions about sleep or exercise or even things like how to uh, improve one's social life. In a sense, if someone is spending too much time and uh, devoting too much time to work as opposed to spending more time with their family or spending more time with friends or you know, just having some downtime and relaxing, things like that, I'll often advise people that I work with. Okay, interesting. So it, it really is, yeah, looking at your whole lifestyle. So great. So Ben, perhaps we should use this as a point to conclude. And that'll just be a perfect setup for our next episode, which is going to dive deeper into the advantages of pros and cons, I guess I should say, of Chinese medicine versus the Western approach. Right. Excellent. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for your time, Ben. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Okay. Take care. Take care.